Really carry us to uh, our Easter celebration for Easter Sunday morning. So, but today I want to, it's, it's kind of a tag on to the previous um, messages about our salvation and our understanding of the conditions of salvation. And many times, you know, people get saved, they come to, to the Lord and they put their faith in Christ and they want to be saved and want to be baptized. The problem is we, we get so excited about those things we, we have a tendency to leave people at the baptistry. And there's no disciple-making at that point. There's no discipling the new believer. There's no teaching the young Christian what, how to be a Christian. And how to be, not only be a Christian, but actually stay faithful to the commitment that they just made to the Lord. Right? Because we learned the process of salvation is all about saying no to the old way and being fully committed to God's way in his way in his plan in his perfect will for us I want to read Luke chapter 6 this morning just a small portion of it and I want to kind of use that teaching of Jesus to help us pick out a few things that we can focus on to help us stay grounded on a solid foundation right? Because Jesus is the one who laid the foundation. The letter to the Colossians and the book of Hebrews is all about the foundation being laid by Jesus. So we know that if we build our faith and our spiritual journey is built upon the, the, the rock of Christ, we have a pretty good chance of persevering. We have a pretty good chance of standing firm in what we believe. I don't know about you, but I I think that uh, it's real easy to see that there are uh, plenty of different kinds of pressure coming on the believer these days. Not any, really not any more than usual, it's just more noticeable, I think. And it's easy for some to fall away because things get hard or things get challenging. Confusion happens, different teachings. Whatever the case, if we're not prepared... If we haven't built our faith on the foundation of Christ, it will surely fall at some point. So let's look what it says. Are we on? No. I don't know why this little thing is such a challenge to me. <laughs> Y'all pray about it. See if I can't get better. Here it is on the screen. You can look at it in your Bible. It's a New International Version. I'll read the whole thing and then we'll break it down. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts him into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck uh, that house but could not shake it because it was well built. And then verse 49, but the, the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and, is, it, and its destruction was complete. Now, normally I take a lot more scripture, of a, a section of scripture to, to develop the message. But I want to use this particular thing in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is teaching 
I would call it the, the fundamentals or the basics of our faith. Because it's one thing to get saved or be saved by faith, like we've discussed over the last several weeks. But it's another thing to stand firm in what Jesus has done. Right? Because I don't know about y'all, but life happens for me. And it's been happening for the, since I came into this world. Some of it's great, some of it's not so great. Here's what else I know. Ever since I made a commitment that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, I've been under uh, severe attack from the enemy because he doesn't like it. He doesn't want it to be a part of my life. He doesn't want me to love God. He doesn't want me to stay committed to what Jesus did on the cross in my life. He doesn't want me to stay committed to my repentance because he knows that it brings glory to God. He doesn't want that. So we have to what? Dig deep. We're going to focus on verse 47 most of the time. All right. Last week I forgot to click the clicker and y'all were just looking at the first slide the whole time. So I'm going to try not to do that again. Verse 47 says, I will show you what he is like who, he, who comes to me and hears my words and put them into practice. We're going to look at this verse and hopefully we're going to take these three points and help us have some uh, reference points or some, some kind of way to focus on what it means to stay firm in our commitment to God, to stand firm in the truth, stand firm in who Jesus is, and not let the world overtake us. Three things Jesus points out. Right? So we have the number one thing is we have to come to him. He says, I'll show you what it's like. It's the one who comes to me. Right? There's no reason whatsoever for any believer in the world not to talk to God. I mean, we can come up with, the best reason I can think of is because we're guilty of something and we're convicted and we just can't face him. You've been there. Don't say you haven't because I know you have. But you still go before God because we trust in his grace and his forgiveness. Yeah? Look, look, I'm going to read to you in Hebrews chapter 10. I'm just going to read it to you. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19, starting there, says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and giving, having our bodies washed with pure water. He says, verse 23, he, uh, he says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I, the reason I read all of that to you is because this is where I, my eyes were opened as a young believer years ago that because of Jesus on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, his blood, I have access to our Holy Father at any time. Yeah, that, was, that, was a, that was a perfect dramatic pause right there, y'all. Y'all, anyone who wants to go before the King, the Lord, can go before the King because of what happened on the cross, because of the blood of Christ that was shed, because of everything we celebrate at Easter and all throughout the year. There's no, there's no reason why we shouldn't go to the Father. He's made the way. 
Draw near to him, it says in Hebrews. And and, in our scripture for this morning, he says, I'll show you what he is like, the one who uh, comes to me. Go to the Father. How much time have I wasted trying to figure things out on my own instead of going to the Father who knows all? And even when I go to the Father, the Lord, then I have to him haul around about that. We're all growing, y'all. We're not all there yet. We praise God because we can go to him. And the more we go to him, the stronger we are spiritually. Our faith continues to become stronger and stronger and more anchored into the foundation that Christ is. We, he says to dig deep. When he says that, he says he's like a man building a house who dug down deep, verse 48 of Luke chapter 6. He says, who dug down deep and laid his uh, foundation on the rock. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about just praying over your meal, which is great. I'm not talking about having prayer with the church folks. I'm talking about in the wee hours of the night when you're talking to God about things you don't talk to nobody about. Right? I'm talking about the kind of prayer where the Bible describes the Spirit of God knows what to say to the Father when you don't have words. That's how we draw near to God. We get closer and closer to God because we talk to Him more and more and more. I'm closer to my wife than I, today than I was yesterday because we spent more time together. Right? Yesterday, uh, like us, what we got, I don't know, whatever time it is now, that many hours more time that we spent together, so I know her better now. The relationship continues to deepen. That's, that's the relationship we have with the Lord because of Christ. And by faith, and all of the things that surround our path to salvation that, that we talked about, we can enter into the presence of God through the blood of Christ. And we can have this relationship. So if we, don't, if we just ignore that, what a waste. Y'all, y'all, some of y'all know uh, uh, the hymns. I like the hymns. Some can do without. But what a friend we have in Jesus. And I hope that that already came to your mind at some point this morning as I'm talking. He says, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. We don't deserve to be in the presence of God. We don't even deserve to talk to God. We don't even deserve to say his name. Yet Jesus made a way for that to be possible. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. What needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You notice everything starts with prayer. Everything starts with talking to God. He's right there. He's not going to force himself on you. He's just waiting for you to interact with him. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. What a great hymn. Can we find a friend so faithful? Can we? I mean, I love y'all, and I try to be your friend, and I try to be your preacher, and I try to be your brother in Christ, but I'm Almost going to guarantee you I'm going to fail you at some point. Jesus does not fail. The Lord does not fail. 
Can we find a friend so faithful? Will, will, who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every, he knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. The door's open. Why don't we go to him? That's point number one. That was painless. That was a quick point, wasn't it? Y'all are like, ooh, we might get out of here. <laughs> number two. What else does he say in verse 47? He says, who comes to me, right? He's the one who comes to me and hears my words. Here's my words. What are you listening to every day? What noise is coming into your life on a constant basis every day? Believers, those who are committed to Christ by faith, those who stood before the world and said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ and I don't want to be a sinner anymore. I want the salvation that Jesus died for and I commit myself to him as Lord and Savior. Sometimes, too many, too many times, people go through that process. They're baptized. They're forgiven of their sins. They received a gift of the Holy Spirit and then it goes back to life as usual. There's no commitment on the part of the person. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, I'll read it to you. You should know it if you study your word. All, the script, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and, t- and training in righteousness. Training in righteousness, he says. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. How on earth are we ever going to stand firm in the face of hardship and persecution if we don't even know what the word says? How are we going to stand firm in what we don't know? And the Spirit of God is given to us to teach us and remind us of everything that Jesus taught, which I find in the Bible. I got all excited about it. You see that high note that came out of there? The Spirit of God cannot do His work in your life without the Word of God. They go hand in hand. We have to dig down deep. It's more than just looking in the back of your Bible and seeing what it says to read in case this happens in your life. Or that happens. Right? There's, in the back of this Bible anyway, and most Bibles are the same. It's like, here's some promises of the Bible, and they're great to look at, and they're great to read, but that's not how the Bible was, that's not what God intended. God intended for the believer to drink it in and make it a part of their life. Verse by verse, word by word, ponder and pray and think about what it says and what it means on a regular basis. That's why I said, what, what noise is, are you allowing into your life every day? Because there's a lot of information going around the world, isn't there? The real question, I, the nicer way to ask it is, how much of God's word are you allowing into your mind and heart every day? I don't know how I've I've, heard, I've had a handful of people in my life tell me, or I read the Bible, I know what it says. Any other book in the world can be read and put on the shelf and be useful. This book that God put together does not work that way. You can't just read it one time, put it on the shelf, and never look at it again. Because it's the living word of God. And God and His Holy Spirit will use the truth in these words 
to develop you into who he wants you to be and who Jesus died for you to be. So those who come to him in prayer, those who come to him in the fellowship with other believers, those who draw near to him will see the truth because when they do that, God will use the word that's planted in their hearts and minds to guide them and lead them and comfort them and heal them. Look at James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I remember a lot of times when my son would want something for me. And I could, I, could almost, I could every time see it on his face that he was hesitant about coming because he didn't know what my answer was going to be. Because he knew the things that I was going to say yes to and things that I probably wouldn't say yes to. Right? And it, he knew, it, we knew each other. That's not the case with God. When you go to God and you ask for his wisdom, it's automatic. Because he wants you to have it. He wants you to know what you need to know about him and the ways of his kingdom. So that you can be effective in this world. So that when the world comes against you as a believer and tries to destroy you, it won't have a chance. Don't you want to be bold for Christ? Don't you want to stand firm in your faith? Wouldn't it be nice if your neighbors and friends looked at you and said, Now there's a guy right there that believes what he believes and he's not moving. There's a family over there that they can't be moved. No matter what happens. I think that's what honor God, honors God. That's what I think. Jesus constantly, when he was teaching, he would say, for those who have ears, let them hear. When Jesus was in this world, preaching and teaching and healing and, and, and so on, when he spoke, it was the word of God. So I think I want to know what that is. The same. That's what I want to know. What did Jesus say? When he says, for those that have ears, let them hear. He's not saying some will hear and some won't. And it's not up to name. He's saying, for those that are paying attention and those that want to know, they will understand what I'm saying. Those who have a desire to know the truth, they will understand. I will give them the wisdom. I will give them the revelation of the truth, not only in their minds, but in their heart. And I'm going to give them the Holy Spirit to help them do something with it. And I believe it, believe it or not, y'all, this word of God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, it's not just for me. It's not just for you. Thank God it is for us, but it's not just for us. It's for everybody. John 3.16, for all. And nobody, no, Romans t- says it, John 3.16 says it, all over this Bible it says, anyone who will believe can be saved, and people will not believe unless they hear it or see it in your life. Most people, most people, get, uh, most people get the attention of God put into their life because the people that they're hanging around with are faithful, and it can't be moved. No matter what happens, they're, they say, no, I'm not going to participate in those sinful things. You guys go ahead. <laughs> I'm not doing it. They're, they, they're confident in who they are in Christ. All right, let's look, at, let's look at number three, moving on to number three. That's number two. First, we come to God and we hear his word. We seek it out. We pursue holiness. We pursue the things of God. Then it says in the same verse, 
right? He says, uh, who comes to me and who hears my words and puts them into practice. You can, you can come up here and you can, confess, you can confess Christ. You can even believe that Jesus is a Christ. You can uh, be baptized. But if you never do anything at all for the kingdom of God, there is a problem. Not with you. There's a problem in your heart. I love you either way. I just hope that you would get saved. There's, I don't know how many people I've watched in a church be immersed in baptism and were never saved because it's all just talk. It's all to win the rewards of people, the praise of men, so they can walk around and believe that they're going to be with God one day, but not understanding that there's a commitment that we're we're signing up to be servants to the kingdom of God and there's work to be done and we're happy to do it. And let God develop us into people who he died for and into what we should have been should we had never sinned. Right? You know, John chapter 14 and, and verse 15 says, if Jesus says this, if you love me, keep my commands. Another way to say that is, if you love me, do what I say. James agrees. When we read in James, he says, faith without what? Faith without works or deeds? Believing without doing something doesn't work. Dead faith doesn't save you. And Jesus himself said, if you, do, if you love me, you'll, you'll do what... He's not commanding people to do to prove that they love. He's saying, if you genuinely love me, you will want to do what I teach. That's where, that's where the misunderstanding comes, is it becomes like, like people are listening to what we teach and how we live, and they're like, why would God force me to do things if, I really, if it's all about love? But let me ask you this, believer. When's the last time you felt like you were forced to love somebody? When's the last time you felt like you were forced to love your neighbors or love God by God. No, that's not the way the Lord works. He's not a manipulator. He doesn't manipulate anybody. He doesn't have to. He's God. He's just simply laying it out there. He's like, I love y'all this much. Laid himself on the cross, died, buried, resurrected, went back to be with the Father, even gave the gift of the Holy Spirit, which brought grace and forgiveness into our lives. And it's a simple question is, do you want that? And if you say yes, and the Spirit of God comes into your life, suddenly your desires and your mind is changed. You begin, you, like Romans teaches, like let's transform our minds. Right? I don't want to do the things I used to do. I don't want to live the way I used to live. I had a, I had a lot of fun doing those bad things. I don't want to do them anymore. Because they weren't that fun, for one thing, and they don't honor God. My desire to honor God is way greater than it was before I got saved. And it's my decision to change my mind. It's my decision to change my ways because I know God now. 
because I drew near to him, because I started reading. When I first got saved, I was sitting in the back of the church. The preacher was preaching, and I'm reading something totally different. I couldn't stop reading the Bible. I was like, I can't get enough, and I'm listening to him at the same time. I drove around. I was driving my big truck when I was truck driving. I had uh, CD players back in them days, and there was uh, somebody reading the Bible to me on CDs. Everywhere I went, just listening to God's Word. It's not, I'm not bragging. I'm telling you what happened to me and how God changed my life. And if we just draw near to him and, and, and just immerse ourselves in his word and trust that the Holy Spirit will have his way, it's amazing that this third, this acting on the word of God and this doing because of our faith just falls into place. People are coming into this church right now, Visitors. And almost every one of them are saying, we want a place where we can serve. We want a place where we can do things. We want to do ministry. And I think the people that have been here for a while will say the same thing. We want to do ministry too. We want to help people too. We want to love people too. Isn't that great that we all agree? Y'all get ready because we're fixing to have to get back in action after this pandemic is wearing off now. It's time to start doing some things again. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to act. I'm at the end of my last point in this, <laughs> this message. I'm going to read this one more time, y'all, because I want it to soak in, and I want you to think about it today and pray about it. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Ask yourself, why do you call him Lord? One preacher and many other preachers repeated it. One preacher said it, you can't. There's no such thing as no Lord. You can't say that. You can't say no and then call him Lord. It's always yes, Lord, no matter what. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? If I'm Lord, then why don't you do what I say? And then he says, I will show you what what he is like who comes to me and hears the words and puts them to practice. Like a man who built his house and dug down deep and laid his foundation on the rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck his house, uh, the house, but could not shake it because it was well built. There's always a but. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Listen to this, y'all. He says, the moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and the destruction was complete the destruction was complete that word complete can also be uh, translated as final and total total destruction I remember when uh, Katrina happened and we sent myself and a few others a couple different trips we went down there to do some relief work and tried to help people down there a couple weeks at a time and the first time I went down there, we were being shown around at what kind of work we were going to be doing and helping people that, whose houses were still there were full of mud and oil and dirt and whatever was in the ocean was in their house above our heads and we had to dig all that out and we had to get everything down to the slab concrete and the, and the stud walls so that they can decontaminate it and then rebuild so they could have their homes back. 
And those were the fortunate ones, the blessed ones. Because there were neighborhoods and neighborhoods where all you saw was just concrete slabs and there was no houses around anywhere. Wasn't even any debris. It was all just gone. And when we're talking about our faith and our spiritual health, personally and as a church, we have to be confident in the foundation and the structure in which God builds on. And if it's weak, we will surely fail. But if it's on Jesus and Him on the cross, His blood which gives us access to the Father and our commitment to His Word and our readiness to go and do what Jesus taught us to do, then I say no storm is too great for the body of Christ. And we will not shrink back. And if we leave people in this baptistry and don't teach them these things along the way, we will be failing at making disciples. If people come in here and say they want to be believers and they get baptized and then we celebrate and sing victory in Jesus and then we never disciple them, never teach them God's word, never show them an example of how to live in the world for Christ, we are failing. That's our work. And if we look around the room, we're supposed to be doing that for all, all of, each, of each other. Just because some of y'all have been saved most of your life doesn't mean that there's not growth to be had. Doesn't mean that there's not more things to uh, dig into the foundation with. We just keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper so that we know that we are on the foundation. We must dig deep down. Eternal life begins. See, here, here it is, is. Eternal life, a lot of people think that we're going to get saved and be with God forever. But you're eternal. You're dead until you're saved. You're dead in your sins until you're saved. And once you get saved, you genuinely get saved, that's the beginning of the rest of your eternal life. And at some point along the way, you're going to make a transition from existing in this world and existing in the presence of God for eternity. It's the same eternal life. Right? Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, and I'll close with this here. Being confident... Let me put this on where I need it. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Every time, every time I think I might be failing or things get hard or maybe I'm tempted to shrink back for whatever hardships are going on in my life or in the ministry of the church or, 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 or whatever's happening, whatever Satan might be bringing into the world, it's, it, this is where I go. Because God is faithful in completing what he started. Y'all believe that? He's faithful. And he started a good work in you before you ever became a believer. Imagine that. I can't, it, it, I can't even imagine that God was thinking about me before I, I was ever existing. He's thinking about you. He was thinking about you when he created Adam. And if God had something in mind for you, the only time that you will not complete that plan is if you fail to join him. Because he, he, he desires nobody to perish, right? Jesus died for everybody. He, he did that so that we would all come to him. But we know that 
that's not going to happen because some won't. But let me say this. This is the best way I can understand it. God does not create people that he doesn't need. There's no tool in God's toolbox that he doesn't need, and each one has a specific purpose. He doesn't just create random tools and have no purpose for it. And if he begins that work in you, he's faithful to complete it. Who, who am I to preach and lead a church in any way? I'm just no truck driving, hammer swinging, good old boy that don't deserve Jesus. But for some reason, the Lord called me to do it. And for some reason, he gave me the courage to say yes. So why would I, have to, why would I ever quit if I believe that he's going to complete the work that he started? Same thing is true for y'all. Y'all are disciple makers too, in a different capacity. Why would he not complete what he started in your life? Why would he not complete the witness that you've started in other people's lives? It is discouraging when you witness time after time after time to the ones you love and the ones that you know need the Lord, and you just keep on and there's no results. But God is doing something there. So we just press on and we keep on. Because it's his business how everything turns out. It's our business to stay faithful. Y'all good with that? We're going to sing a song. Y'all ready? I love you and the Lord loves you. Stay faithful, stay strong, stay together. You ready?